Double Irish with Mick Smith, an Irish business and finance podcast. Is the customer, the customer always right? No, the customer is nearly always wrong. We'll either hit the jackpot or we'll go down in flames. Here you go, boss. Another one done. And then we discuss big business. Hello and welcome to the third instalment of the Double Irish with Mixed Mid podcast. On today's show, I'm talking about job interviews. Some people love them, some people hate them, but no matter what, they have to be done. Earlier on in the week, I caught up with media consultant and communications expert Lorcan Nyan. Lorcan works with the highly reputable PR firm, The Communications Clinic. In his role, he works with politicians, sports people and business people alike. He generally helps people with their presentation skills and how to prepare for TV and various media interviews. Another key part of his job is preparing people for job interviews at a variety of levels. I asked Lorcan how people should best prepare for an interview and what are the common mistakes that should be avoided. Lorcan, thanks a million for coming on. No problem at all, Mick, any time. So of course you work in a variety of services, but one area you would spend a lot of time is prepping people for job interviews as such. That That's correct, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah, we'd work across media presentations and etc. as well, but yeah, one of the consistent things we do is people who have a big job interview coming up come into us, we put them through their paces and help them do it a bit better. So I suppose like before we talk about what to do, I suppose... You probably have come. Is there a trend of mistakes you've kind of seen over the years when people come into you that kind of repeats itself? Yeah, yeah, you'd see relatively consistent mistakes from people. Um, people not having their pitch worked out. So that when you ask them relatively simple questions, whether it's you know on camera when you're recording them for playback or whether it's just in a chat before or afterwards, and you say, well, what do you want to get across? You know, why you're the right person for this job. And they can't really tell you succinctly, here are the three or four key reasons why you should hire me or, you know, what I want that interview panel thinking and remembering about me at the end of it. So not working out your pitch is a big one, not working out that here are the three or four key things I want to get across. Uh, and then another one would be people tend to have their examples of, you know, when, they, when, I, when they've shown the key skills before, but they rarely get to the achievement within that. They like to downplay it. They'll tell me about the process and the mistakes that they made, but they'll very rarely say, it went well, here's the good feedback that I got, here's the metric that shows I hit this target and that target, so look, obviously I can do this for you again, and people very rarely get to the achievement or the outcome, so people don't sell themselves overly well at times. And what about sort of, I thinking about in an interview, you probably think about body, a lot of people would maybe over-focus on body language, but... Would you have any sort of recommendations for how to control your body language or what mistakes like that in terms of that would, would you see? Body, body language does matter, but it, it matters for different reasons than people would usually think. Um, I'm a big believer in body language flows from confidence, but you can't necessarily fake that. And so the way you get strong body language has been really happy with your content. So knowing what you want to say, having practiced what you want to say, you're really then confident about what you want to get across. You know you've said it before, before you get in there. And so that then that flows through your body language. A couple of simple things with body language that people get wrong is 
hand placement and, and, and where they put it is people putting their hands underneath the table quite often because they're they're self-conscious about using their hands and fidgeting and so they hide them but it just makes them look meek and tired and scared while just put the hands up over the table forearms up on the table use your hands don't use your hands but you're kind of there more for a chat and then the other thing is um, people never ever smile um, in interviews so we record people when they're coming into us and the first thing that they always notice when they play back is, it's like, they're always saying to me, it's like, I'm actually a relatively happy person, but that guy up there isn't, <laughs> because people just don't smile because the nerves hit, and they don't even realise they're not smiling, and it does have, it has kind of an impact on your on your mood and your tone and your tone of voice as well, um, and so smiling, remind yourself to smile is a big one as well, but I am a big believer in, you know, visualisation techniques don't work, power poses, none of that stuff works. All it does is make you feel a bit better when you're not actually doing the work beforehand to prep. And what does work is practice beforehand, know what you want to say, have it said, and then kind of flows from that content then and then you come across confident and impressive. And what about, would, would you ever advise on clothes to wear? Or was there any sort of general tips? I know it obviously probably has depend on the job and for you, but... It depends on the job. Um, it used to be easier because it used to just be put on a suit, but now obviously with the tech companies and everything, that can actually play against you sometimes. Um, the general piece of advice, two general pieces of advice. Number one is pick the person who's a position above you in the company. So if you're a grad, you're looking at a manager or you're a manager, you're looking at you know, whatever it might be, address how they are expected to dress in, a, in work so that you don't dress if you're grad you don't go in as, as casual as, as the person at your own level but you, you, you hit the level just above you if that's a suit then you wear a suit if that's a tracks you know if that's a, a hoodie then that can be a hoodie for an interview with a shirt um, and the other thing is don't wear anything that's louder than yourself if you can't match you know if you don't have a big personality don't go in with a three piece suit don't go in with you know a, a really stripy shirt don't do anything that's going to draw attention away from you and what you're saying because you think that you know that's what you're supposed to wear or that it might help you stand out peacocking doesn't really work in interviews <laughs> do you ever i remember i had a job interview once and um i had this example of basically how it was referring to how i was on the on a billing site and the, i think the question was how did you ever help an employee and i told this heroic tale about how uh, I climbed up this pipe and like got this laser that was stuck up a pipe and uh, it saved someone's job and I was like god this is brilliant I took Shawshank Redemption style crawled up and then the, interview, the interviewee goes or the interviewer goes to me uh, oh so that, that, that'd be a health and safety violation wouldn't it and then I was like uh, yeah it would be and like oh so you don't follow the rules do you and I was just like oh no I was like is, that, is there a certain way of how you present your examples over like you know, I don't know. Is there? Is there kind of do people kind of say an example and you like I in that instance I thought that was a great example and then all of a sudden it's it's completely it was yes yeah, on so the wrong page yeah sometimes about looking at the the not following the rules there sometimes they would push you even if think it was a good example because they've decided to be awkward and to see how you react to it and the way to react to it then is I suppose to acknowledge that fact but then stand over what you said about how you yeah. did help the employee and then yeah. you know and then link it back to the job. Suppose when it comes to examples what people can struggle with sometimes as well is they haven't worked in the exact field that they're going into before so they don't have examples that fully match. So if you're going in you know for an interview for a professional services forum and all your examples are from the building site. But that's absolutely fine as long as you make the link but you have to make the link for the interview panel. So you need to give the example about heroic Mick Smith jumping up and, <laughs> and, and saving the day but then you need to say and look I suppose look what that shows is I didn't need to do that it does show that I was willing to go above and beyond to help that specific employee um, and so obviously this is a totally different sector 
but what I showed there was an ability to go kind of above and beyond, an ability to go past the hours I was supposed to do, an ability to do a task I wasn't necessarily be paid to do. That's the kind of thing I'll bring in professional services as well. I won't be scaling the building, but I'll be staying after, I'll be doing this and I'll be doing that. So you need to link and make it relevant. I suppose, would you ever advise someone on like how to start your research? So you've gotten your job interview, I suppose where to start is probably the company website, is it, or those... Yeah, people's, people, when they're prepping for interviews, think they're doing great work because they read absolutely everything about the company and they read every bit of legislation that is linked to that job and they read the annual report from 2004 and they, you know, they spend days and days and days researching. Um, that's about 10% of your job. 90% of your job is, what are you going to do when you actually get into the interview? What are you going to say? What is it you want to get across and what are they looking for? So I would always start the interview not with your research, but with thinking about the company, looking at the job spec, thinking about the company, looking at who's interviewing you and looking at what you have and trying to work out what are the five or six key skills or experiences or attributes that these guys really need and that that's down the page in front of you. And then you're working out, well, okay, how do I match that? Then you go and do your research. So you obviously look up the company website, but you don't learn off and give it back to them in the interview because that's incredibly boring. Um, you look up their culture. You talk to people who've worked with them, if at all possible, and see and see what they think. You look them up in the news, but you go past the first page on the on the Google Google results. You go to page two or three, but then you look at all of that and you think, right, is there anything I can say? that personally links into that. So when they ask me, what do I know about the company or where did I hear about them? Or when they ask me, why do I actually want to work for them? You're not just giving a stock answer. You're linking it to something that you want to do. Um, so I was working with somebody recently who was, who was going for you know, a relatively um, senior job in the, in the health service. So a nursing job in the health service. And he would have got that question of, look, why did you initially become a nurse and what is your ethos of nursing? And he just took a step back and told a story about how 25 years ago, before he even decided to study become a nurse, he was in his van, got in a car crash, went flying through the windscreen of the car, was on death's door, was brought into hospital. And he said the doctors and everything filled out all the various forms and they were all very professional. But he said the nurse grabbed his hand, grabbed it and took his pulse and said, yeah, no, you'll be fine. You're in a good place. Calm down. You're critical now. But look, we've got you. He credits that nurse with saving the life and look, that's why he became a nurse. But he could have said all that stuff about caring for patients and patient first and Weaver's role, but he just told a personal story and linked it into it. Um, so that works for any company as well. I suppose with any job interview, uh, the, the question of nerves comes up a lot. Uh, I, I suppose I think everyone feels that to some degree. Uh, is there any advice you could give to to those more nervous that people go in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, um, nerves can be good as well. You know, you don't want to forget that as well. Sometimes people think if they're nervous, it means that they're not prepared. And, you know, nerves are good. They get you up for it and, and they, they do help you perform. It's just about making sure it doesn't totally affect your performance so you don't go fully blank. Um, the first and foremost uh, piece of advice, and it's easy for me to give it, is practice, but practice out loud. Don't think it through in your head. Don't write down your answers and try to learn them off. You're going in for a verbal interaction, verbally prep. If I'm giving a presentation at any stage, I go through it 12, 13, 14, 15 times, so it seems effortless and it seems like I haven't worked on it. Um, it's the exact same if you're going in for a job interview, but people think, oh, well, they can ask me anything in the world, and so I can't prep. You can see 60% of it coming. You should have said that 60% beforehand, so that when the nerves hit, you're able to say to yourself, not, oh, I've thought about this question, or, oh, I must remember my page. You're able to say to yourself, I've written this down. Uh, not that I've written this down, sorry, that I've said this out. I've said it out 20 times, I'm horribly familiar with it so I can deliver it. So that's number one. Number two, you're allowed to drink water. 
um, people get really weird about drinking water in interviews. Um, pour the water Afraid before you knocking it over. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, that's what I say to people: pour it before you start, because you won't pour it during the interview because you'll be you'll be scared of knocking it over. And you're allowed to take a second um, and take a sip of water to actually help dry out because your mouth can dries out during an interview. You know, time is different in an interview when you're nervous as well. If you haven't said anything for a second. Um, you think you haven't said anything about 10 seconds they're staring at you like you're an idiot but they haven't even noticed so just be aware of that um, and then work out yourself before what am I really really worried about here what is the nightmare question that I'm worried about coming up or what's the worst case scenario is it that I draw a total blank is it that I can't answer a question and force yourself to prepare for that prepare for what you will do and say if you can't answer a question prepare for what you will do and say if you do blank and you'll find that once you prepare for that, the nerves get that bit less because you know what you're going to do in the worst case scenario. And so you tend to relax a small bit then. I think one of those questions that a lot of people, I don't know, maybe not fear, but don't know how to approach it. Why, why do you leave your last job? Is that, I, I would think, is there, because maybe there's a connotation that maybe if you don't say it right, you're going to come across as like you're a quitter or you can't build relationships is there a kind of diplomatic way to kind of address that or? yeah you shift the focus as quickly as possible to not why you're leaving your current job but why you're applying for a job that's in front of you or why you've decided to switch to switch career path or why you've decided that you weren't progressing as fast as you could in the last role and so now this is a fantastic opportunity so that you you kind of address it for the first bit or why you're leaving there you address it very very quickly and then you move on you turn into a positive about the next role that you're going in for I think uh, I think that's just with time. We're right over time, but uh, just before we go, Lorcan, thanks so much for coming in. And any listener who has a job interview, please check out Lorcan. Uh, I can vouch personally his um, ability for prepping people for interview is really first class. So and again, Lorcan, uh, couldn't thank you more for uh, coming on and talking to the Double Irish Podcast. Not a, not a bother, Mick. Thanks Cheers. very much for having me. Thanks for The Isaac Digest, a weekly review of the Irish stock market. After its 3.4 billion flotation at the end of last week, all eyes were on AIB. With more than a quarter of the company being sold mainly to institutional investors, the bank closed this week at €4.95. This meant a greater than 10% increase in share price, which is likely to please CEO Bernard Bourne and Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue. It was a rather positive week generally for banks across Europe, as fears of strict monetary policy were allayed. Bank of Ireland had much more modest price increase over the week. However, permanent TSB did book the trend, closing this week down overall. After trading up earlier in the week, the bank fell by nearly 3% on Friday. This is perhaps owing to the bank's commitment to mortgage restrictions. Kingspan and CRH traded down during the week. Sentiment was poor towards the building materials industry overall, owing to the Greenfell Tower disaster. This was seen right across Europe. However, Kingspan did rally late on in the week to recover some of the lost share price. Packaging group Smurfit Kappa traded up over the week by over 2%, as one of its British compet- competitors released positive annual results. Also, the industry responded positively to the evidence that it can absorb a price increase in a key input called Container Board. Tullow Oil traded up by 15 cent as it announced cuts in capital expenditure and released an upbeat trading statement. That was your Isaac Digest for the week ending the 30th of June 2017.
And that brings an end to the third episode of the Double Irish Podcast. If you have a friend who is preparing for an interview, by all means, please send them the link to the podcast because I know they can get a lot of benefit from Lorcan's advice. Um, uh, the podcast, I've recently gotten it approved by iTunes, so you can now subscribe to the podcast on, on the iTunes platform and you can rate it or write a review. If you do, please be nice. But um, yeah, the usual social media platforms, the Twitter is at Double Irish MS, and if you want to email me, the email is doubleirishwitmixsmith at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, thanks a million for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.